<laughs> this is gonna be a fun. This is gonna be a fun I, interview. Yeah, I'm so fucking excited, man. <laughs> this is uh just fuck. I gotta get the, gotta get the giggles out right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he seems like a really cool dude. I've watched a couple of interviews with him. I'm like, wow, man, this this is gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. It's <laughs> exciting. I saw Dreadbull pop up. Oh, there he is. Oh, there we go. Can you hear us? Dreadbull. Yep, yep, yep. There you are, buddy. Oh, the skull. I am jealous, by the way. Nice. Yeah. Hey, this is Ralph Sheepers, and you're listening and watching to Heavy Metal Horror. I am Montag, master of illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. And I'm chopped up and keep it <laughs> And Dreadbull. And you are listening to... Heavy, heavy metal, metal, metal Horror. Horror. <laughs> oh. Kitties, kitties, we have a show tonight. Yes, we have a very special guest. Yes, the front man for Virgin Steel, composer extraordinaire, David DeFay. David, welcome to our show. Greetings. Thank you very much for having me on. Much appreciated. Cheers. Our pleasure. Oh, man. I wish I got a diet, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. I've got a. You're I've doing a better than me. Mug. Right. <laughs> Here I can. Uh, for the evening. Nice. Very nice. I have my pipe, so I sound very distinguished. <laughs> you yeah. kind of start right. to turn into Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. It's a Gandalf starter set. <laughs> That's right. Where's my staff? <laughs> I've got a sword here somewhere. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah we want to talk to you about your swords. Yes, yes. excellent. Well, nice. oh, he's got it handy. Yeah, yeah. yeah for those close quarters encounters. It was a gift. Nice. Do you carry that? Is that a uh, yeah, on I've set it on fire that? now and again, but this is not my usual one. This is a Roman one. This was actually a gift from our, our bass player, Joshua Block. Lovely awesome. chap. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah, he's got a CCW for his yeah. Sword. <laughs> yeah, home defense. That's right. Oh, that's, or that's castle. A... I don't know. Judging from your backdrop, there, it looks like you might be in a castle somewhere. Oh, I've very cool gothic setting. Yeah, I've got about I don't know, about twenty some odd swords now. Uh, some have had made for me. There's all sorts of. There's a crossbow over there. There's all sorts of shit. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I just want to find out, you know, how you're doing during this, you know, during the pandemic. I mean, that's like, like the first question. It's on everyone's minds now. So I just want to know, you know, how, how are you doing? I'm well, uh, you know, I, yes, I noticed it because we were about to launch some live stuff and we couldn't do that. So I was aware that something was going on, but I just was like, all right shift gear, go right into making videos and working on what's going to be the next album. So I never stopped working. We were just like, we were starting to film and uh, I was like, all right, so we, no gigs. Let's just further, uh, further the, the, uh, the movie aspect of it and uh, just go, go with that and see, you know, when, uh, when will I be able to launch again? And now it looks like we're going to be able to launch again. So we're 
starting to go into that zone, switching gears again, but I'm also in the middle of uh, wrapping up the mix on the latest record that's going to be out. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Um, can we ask you the title of the new record? Uh, I'm not revealing that just yet. That's we're fine. Getting, that's fine. Uh, the label doesn't even know. and Nobody knows. So <laughs> okay. uh, I can say this, though. It, it, it will. It's got something to do with ancient Greece. It's got oh, some sort nice. of, it, it is conceptual. And there is murder and death and beheadings and all the usual stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's exciting. I, I, we would definitely want to talk about that because that's one thing I really love about your music is these these great themes you know history and mythology and and tragedy you know so that's that's uh that's really exciting so i definitely want to get to that but um but first i guess i'll just ask you know how did you get into music and into singing oh well i grew up in a home environment that you had to compete in some way it was like opera theater rock metal you know all my siblings my dad was doing theater. My oldest sister is an opera singer. My other sister was a rock singer. And my brother was a rock singer, rock organist. So I, you know, I was the last child. I'm the last child punk in the street, as uh, Stephen Tyler once said. And uh, I watched and I go like, this is amazing. I, I, must, I must contribute in some way. I got to be part of this. So uh, I just absorbed it all and fused it into what Burden Steel is, what I'm doing with Burden Steel. It's a bit of drama. It's a bit of theater. It's a, it's a bit of opera, it's a bit of metal, it's all, it's all there. And I, I joined my first band when I was 11 years old because the singer from this, the, the, well, let me go back, backtrack. The drummer of that band was the guy who delivered the morning paper to my house. And his previous singer stuck his hand in the swimming pool while holding the microphone. They were rehearsing outside, shocked himself. So uh, I, I got the gig. <laughs> wow. <what? laughs> you didn't by any chance, like, you know, give him push there. Did you, David? <laughs> I wasn't there that day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify. An alibi. <laughs> One of those things. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What, what bands? I mean, you grew up in this house with all this musical influence. And, you know, I can appreciate that. Uh, I was the first musician in, in my family, but I grew up listening to all kinds of music. So I understand how you absorb that you know, love for music. So what bands and artists really influenced your early musical interests? I think the earliest were probably um, Mountain, Grand Funk Railroad, Zeppelin, Sabbath. And then it was Queen, uh, uh T-Rex, all that sort of stuff. Like Bowie came later. Oh, nice, nice, um, Dave. No, I, I my question was uh, your vocal range is pretty stellar, and obviously you gave us a lot by your background talking about that. Was that something you were classically trained on, or was that something that um, just came natural for you? Uh, that's a funny question. It's a good question. I it was natural. What I I, I watched, I observed. My sister, the opera singer, I observed my sister and brother, the rock singers, you know, I observed all that. When I actually went, to, I, I, I went briefly to study. And when I went to study with a guy, he actually ruined my voice. So I uh, stopped studying and just did what came naturally. And that's it. I just, I try to keep physically fit. I um, always try to extend the range. I said, how is this done? 
how do we do that? How do we reach that? Okay. It dawned on me when I was about 16 that there's another level of the voice outside of just belting out your chest. There's, you can belt, you can blend into this upper stratospheric range. That's it's it's not exactly falsetto. It's a reinforced head voice, you know. Uh, and I said, okay, I can bring that in because I was just belting previously. And I and then wow, I got another like massive amount of notes I can use and started working with that. And that actually started uh, developing to probably the strongest part of my voice because I used it so much, you know, and mm-hmm. it still works that upper thing. It's never, it's never failed me. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I, I uh, you know, there, there are a small handful of singers that have your, your kind of range, the octave range that you sing with, but I, I can't think of any other singer that quite has your, your style, your stylistic, you're, you have a very stylistic, the way you kind of jump all over the place with different styles, one second to the next. It's really interesting. And I, I, I really can't compare you to any other singer in particular. How did that all come about? It's just trying Thanks so very much. Uh, I think it's, it's, I wanted to be, I wanted to, I was supposed to be a guitar player, you know, but no one would let me play the guitar. So I said, all right, I'm going to sing like a guitar. Like ah. Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, like yeah. Eddie Van Halen. That's extended solo and take the voice. What is what is the guitar anyway? It's an imitation of the voice. Uh-huh. So <laughs> the voice is not imitating the guitar, which is imitating the voice. So yeah. that's how I arrived at, I think, my, my style. And I, I really got into all those kind of improvisational bits that Zeppelin would do and Jimmy would go off and, and wail and, and so would Robert, of course. Uh, and I just really wanted to be as violent as I could be, like kind of like Pete Townsend beating the shit out of his, his, uh, his <laughs> instrument. I do the same with the throat, you know? Most of the violence and the metal on the Vernon Steel records comes from here, you know? The, uh, the other sounds are a bit cleaner than some metal bands do, but mm-hmm. the violence is there, you know? Wow, really you know, Edward, my guitar player, yeah. always favored a more you know, a cleaner sound that we could understand what the notes were being played, you know, which we need because Vernon Steel has got a very extensive harmonic range. It's not just root and fifth. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So, yeah, so clean that area up and make this dirtier. (laughs) It's kind of happy. (laughs) Can you remember the first, very first album you ever bought for yourself? I think the first one that I actually got with my own money from like mowing lawns and stuff was probably uh, maybe Love It to Death, Alice Cooper. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big Alice Cooper fan over there. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah he, oh, he's great. Back to your collection of swords. Can you tell us about this collection? Like, do you have a favorite? Do you have like a favorite historical or fictional or mythological sword? Okay. Well, yeah. I've got one that's that's probably well two that are my favorite. One I had made for me. It's on the cover of the Wait for the Night EP. I don't know if you've ever seen that with the American one. Uh, it's a big, gigantic thing with these horns that go in four directions. That was made by a mad genius I call Tom the Lawnmower Man. I don't remember his last name, but he fixed lawnmowers. And he made me this thing. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I want something I can wield on stage, you know, flip around real easily. He made me this thing. It's like, like 89 pounds. It's ridiculous. Wow. But uh, wow. uh, it's yeah, not easy to flip not the around most wieldy thing. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's great looking and you see it in videos and, what, and whatnot. So that's, that's probably my favorite. The other one is uh, 
one I bought in Germany that I set on fire, you know, every show. It's, it's very, um, <laughs> it used to fit in my keyboard case back when I could bring swords on planes back in the day when you could do that. Just to bring swords on and off the plane, it was no big deal, you know. But now, now it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> so, those are my two favorites. I got some ancient ones that I inherited from my father a while ago. Uh, there's this. There's not many in this room, just that one, but they're all in the other part of the house. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a few myself here. I've actually got two hanging on the wall right next to me. Uh, all right. Alex- Alexander the Great Sword, and I've got an Excalibur back here. Oh, so, nice. uh, yeah, I've got a few. Nice. My, most of mine came from the Franklin Mint. Remember that place? I don't even know if they're still in business. <laughs> they still do. Yeah. yeah I saw do. they got like a little like a little death statue or something or cool yeah. that they just came out with. I, I used totally to buy their cool. swords all the time. <laughs> Right. It's some of gifts like that one I just showed you before. That was a gift from my, my bass player. Uh, people like to bring swords to shows sometimes to be gifts. That or wine. Oh, that's awesome. I know I'm a big wine guy. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. So swords and wine, I, I'll never go hungry with that. You know? Yeah. It's a good combination, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Especially when you're in Greece and you want to behead your sound man. <laughs> After a disastrous gig. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. You know, version steel sound is is a really interesting combination of power metal and progressive with elements of opera and theater as as you had mentioned how did that sound develop i mean when was the at the stage where you said here's what i want this band to sound like i think it was always there from the beginning but it just grew into more of what it should be it was like those elements were in my mind it was something that needed to express itself and and the more knowledge i gained about music studying piano and whatnot and uh composition the more i was then able to launch what i was hearing there out in Svita, you know kind of a thing so it was a gradual step-by-step situation i went back to the university right before we did um the marriage of heaven hell albums i think it was actually actually maybe yeah 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 it was uh it was actually when we were doing Life Among the Ruins. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and I started really seriously studying again and I'm still um, exploding from that supernova of, of info that I got back then. You know, it hasn't, yeah. hasn't dr- the well has not run dry. I've got other issues in my life, problems and whatnot that everyone has, but writer's block has never been one of them. Shutting it off is, a, is the problem for me, wow. you know? Because you have the massive albums. They're all very long and yeah. dense. Because I think Virgin Steel really takes off. Like Marriage of Heaven and Hell, I think that's when that sound, I think, becomes perfected in a way. And it yeah. just gets better between that, Invictus, the House of Atreus, you know, I think Visions of Eden, uh, the Blacklight Bacchanalia, you know, Nocturnes of Hellfire and Damnation. All those albums, I think, just show a band that's just getting progressively better and better. Uh, so that that's a Thank hallmark you. of a great band, I think. I love that stuff that you, you write about the mythology and religion, these epic themes. And so what about these larger than life concepts appeals to you? Because you're the main songwriter. So you said you're taking it all in and you can't write it because you are writing these magnum opuses that spawn or span like multiple records. And like, yeah, yeah. sorry, we can't do one minute record. We've got to do two. Oh, sorry. We got to do Invictus. That's three. It's a trilogy. I got to tell the whole story. So I know it's coming out of you. So uh, what about these larger than life concepts appeals to you? I'm really, you know, some people think I'm giving a history lesson. I'm not trying to give a history lesson. I'm really trying to just 
uh, speak about what what I think is important to to the world, to me, and uh, what's going on now. Some of those things, like in Atreus, that's maybe three thousand years old, but it's just as relevant today, tomorrow, and maybe three thousand years going forward. You know, so that's what that's what really I I get off on uh, things that are universally true and um, that are timeless, I guess, if you, if you will. And um, inside of that, that not everyone realizes, is I'm actually speaking about my own personal life and what's going on with me. I may be couching that in some ancient Greek myth here and there now and again, but it's really not only that. It's, a, it's about uh, what's, what's, what my life is like, what my day and night is, is about. But you don't want to be so specific or I don't because you want it to be universal so everyone can read their life into it, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's why those stories still stand the test of time is because they are universal. They're, they're relatable, relatively yeah. to all people, you know, like it's why Shakespeare is being read, you know, 500 years after the fact and, 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 yeah. and these Greek writers that are thousands of you know years old, uh, these stories are still relevant today because the human condition is, is the same. You know, when it comes down to it, so absolutely, um, yeah, I, I could tell it, because you you it takes several albums to tell these stories properly. It's almost like when I look at these, it's almost like acts of a play, in a way. I'm not sure if that was intentional, but when I see them, it is because okay, okay, yeah, you're can right. You, can you're talk right. More about that. Okay, you're right. Yeah, it's. I guess it's it's my up. I grew up in the theater. You know, uh, my father was director, producer, actor of plays, Shakespeare, Greek tragedy, everything, oh, Medea, wow. you know, uh, Macbeth, all that stuff. And, and that was like, that was metal to me. It was like, wow, this is dramatic. This is heavy. I got to, I got to, I got to make the soundtrack. He would also uh, often ask me, can you do some music for this production I'm doing? Whatever. So I would do that. And so I was very intimate with the theater. I never acted in any of his shows but I was always in the music or, uh, uh, David, I need you to help me move this furniture, that sort of shit. So I, you know, I was always there <laughs> right. all the time. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's just permeated. And uh, that's how I see music. That's how I hear music. There's drama involved and uh, great passion. And, and otherwise, why do it? It's, you know, sure. it's, 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 it should be the sound of the living world, the sound of life, of, of, of everyone's life. You know, that's, that's what I'm trying to do with, with Virgin Steel. Well, that's fantastic because you don't see in, in this world of like corporate music, corporate rock, you don't often see that kind of passion spilling over into the product. You know, there are some bands who, who are okay on a recording. When you see them live, they're much better, but you don't often see that passion coming from an artist so i that's refreshing so i mean that's that's exciting you know thanks bro thanks yeah. oh yeah my pleasure it was never um it was never meant to be a career for us or for me you know it was really how do i establish a way of life that could sustain us indefinitely and that's what was the uh that was the goal you know how do we how do we work that so we never um had to like really listen to a label say you must do this you must do that it was we were never going to do that it was always we're going to do what we want to do we're going to try to express ourselves as honestly as we can be every every record every show and that's it if people dig it wonderful if they don't well they can always listen to something else that's really quite okay for us 
yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, that that's what you know david really gets to me too is is the passion that you have you have a vision you've always had a vision of virgin steel and it seems like progressively you're coming closer to the end of that journey on your vision you know I, the, the more time we spend doing it the less and less we acknowledge any other thing there's not it's there's you know there's the, there's a metal world or whatever there's certain scenes that people align themselves with um we align ourselves with ourselves and our own vision you know we're sort of like running along next to it but we're out, sort of outside of it as well um mm-hmm. I think we've always sort of been that way. We always never quite fit in exactly to what was going on. There was always something, something else going on with well, us. That's, that's respectful because, you know, uh, so many bands, they want to, they want to be part of a label, you know, the, the, the genre, the subgenres and stuff. And to fit outside that box is very respectful. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, it's just, we developed this way. Um, from an, probably from the first record onward. And it just we got more entrenched in, in that mindset as, as the years went on, because, you know, there's always somebody you've got to fight against now and again. Uh, so you, uh, you get stronger in that. And, and uh, the less you give a shit about what people say about it. I like it. We like it. So, you know, if you dig it, great. If you're not, again, there if are not, many other records you can it. listen to. Yeah. If not, suck it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was going to, you know, we were talking about your, your, the concepts that you write about and, you know, all this very high concept stuff, mythology and religion and, you know, uh, sort of philosophy, philosophical things. Uh, So this is obviously, these are all things that you're always thinking about, you know, uh, considering, is there any, like, uh, are there any religions or belief systems that you have found yourself leaning towards or is that too per- if that's too personal of a question that's, that's yeah okay. if 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 you if you had to put a name to what it is i am i guess you would say that i'm a pagan you know um in the broadest sense of of, of that word you know mm-hmm. uh i i never was uh, a big fan of organized religion in any shape or form i really like um the ancient philosophies, which were uh, more humanistic based and uh, uh, still profound and still making their mark. And they, they were more about elevating the individual and making the individual in harmony with the group rather than, okay, we want to control these people with, with our, you know, our particular way, way of, of, of this is, this is the only way to, of God, you know, mm-hmm. or, or goddess or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. So, so those, if you read a lot of history as I do, then, you know, you get a lot of paganistic, you know, inf- info. And then I went off, Oh, let's, let's, let's explore that. Let's go Nordic. Let's go uh, native American. Let's go uh, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the more you read about these things, the more you see that they're all essentially talking about the same thing, you know, and uh, it's just different. It's like language, you know, we can speak English or Italian or French or whatever, but we're still having, you know, having the same, same words, essentially, you know, not the same words, but Concepts. this is a chair, this is a computer, yeah. whatever. Structure, right. Yeah. yeah. The idea. It's yeah. like an artificial <laughs> sound attached to a concept, you know, if you want to get into semiotics and all that, all that jazz. So, yeah. 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 I'm a fan of, of, of uh, spirituality and uh, uh, elevating those thoughts, not trying to, I, I'm not trying to 
I don't want to sell, it, sell this idea to anybody who's listening to the records that you must become a pagan or whatever, do whatever you want. It's just, this is my interest. This is what I, I, I speak about. This is what is meaningful to me. This is how I uh, understand the, the world. It's like nature's mainly naturistic. I, my goal in songwriting was like, I go outside and I see a tree and I see how the sky is and leaves and it's all woven together. And I'm like, how do I create something that that's, that's that magical? That's as beautiful as that. How can I do that? And I see nature uh, die and be reborn. And that, and, and that filters into all my concepts of spirituality and all those kinds of things. And I bring that to the records and try to uh, expound a bit on, on that. But again, I'm trying not to preach it to anybody. It's just this sure. is my trip. And if you want to know more about it, I'll, I'll be delighted to speak to you about it but but you know we don't have to go there <laughs> yeah well it doesn't ever come across as preachy to me it, it you know listening to these records and and <clears throat> hearing the story unfold it was just it was just high drama you know it was it was these elevated themes it was epic it, you know on that scale i never once felt preachy so uh, i i i wouldn't uh, i don't think anyone's going to take it as such for me it was just listening to a story on the on the most epic scale possible you know spiritual beings and tragedy uh, on all scale and levels so you know i think that's that's what i really liked about it because it's not too many bands or artists write about these kinds of things growing up listening to all of us you know three of us listen to bands like iron maiden when they write songs that were kind of about history and mythology you know that's what appealed to us because it wasn't right. songs about getting laid and things like that and that's what i think appeals to me so much about your music is like here's these elevated themes almost to even a grander scale you know so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of awesome thank you gentlemen i really appreciate it thank you very yeah, much and that's why i asked that question i knew you were going to have an interesting really uh you know introspective answer to that so i appreciate it that was a good answer well, I, I think also, David, and this is a total compliment, but I, I've noticed in, in you know, the early stuff was uh, traditional U.S. power metal and uh, almost a man of war influence, which is a total compliment uh, to you. And uh, there's some Sabbath elements, which I think like Sabbath, you know, but how do you think the progression of the band of Virgin Steel from the early days to now? It, 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 am I not am I missing that or is there? You know, something with, uh, you know, you start out traditionally, you know, U.S. power metal, and but it just it grew into something more, more expansive. So yeah, it, it did that. grow into something more because of uh, going back to the well, studying, thinking, saying, how how can I better express this emotion that I'm feeling? It always starts with me. It starts with the emotion. What is the emotional sonic portrait i want to paint or sonic sculpture how do i how do i get that out mm-hmm. so then the more i learned the more i was able to manipulate my emotions and then in doing that the emotions of others because i have to be moved first if i don't think it's going to be special then it never it never reaches uh never goes anywhere further than my cassette you know all my ideas go directly into the cassette player and then it goes you know once the song is written there then I'll bring it into the studio and show the other other gentlemen and, and whatnot. But uh, if it's if it's not there, it doesn't go any 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 further. So yeah, it's it's well, really just a question of learning, always. Sure. I'm sorry. I I also noticed that you know a lot of your credits, you're multi instrumentalist. So you know, you know your keyboard or your bass or you got guitar and and I thought, wow, how interesting is that? And how do you 
get that to the other members, you know, or, or you know, they, they contribute their own parts or you like the main, you know, you come up with the melody, you came up with the, you know, on, on, on guitar or anything like that. And then you just bring the other members in or is it, is it a group project? Everything is written on the piano first. If it's a song I've written solely, then it's all starts on the piano. Then it's okay, let's, how do we translate that to the guitar, bass, drums, and everything else? How do we format, format, orchestrate? How do we form it all out? So then I'll bring Edward in, tall player, and I'll show him the song, and then we, then we build from there. Uh, he learns, these days we have not had so much um, rehearsal time, so it's like he comes in, I show him the bit, we record it, move on to the next bit, record it, go on from there. It's, it's actually that you know and then we go go from there whoever was in the studio basically was like you know got to play on, on the record I'm, I'm usually the first guy in and the last guy out so something's <laughs> got to be done and somebody isn't around and i end up doing it you know that's how it kind of worked and everyone was basically okay with that so uh it wasn't really any now and again something you know got somebody got there panties in a bunch whenever but you know it wasn't never like oh i didn't want you on this track it was just like you weren't there and i needed you right, but, right. no fault of their own it was just because i'm always in there so that's what's happening <laughs> uh yeah so it always starts with the piano and the emotion and, and building it from there i sing i play into my little cassette player with the one microphone built into the cassette and everything is written that way. You know, it's really old school. And then I bring it to the studio when I think I've actually got a song that makes sense. You know? okay. I love when people have these really unique old school kind of uh, systems that they use, you know, when they start writing music or getting ideas down, that's hilarious. It's, you know, it's, I, I'm not a cell phone guy. Maybe if I did, I'd record it in the phone, I, you know, but I've got an old flip phone, which I only use if I break down on the road. When I'm out, I don't want to be bothered. No one can reach me. I'm very unreachable, you know. Yes. Luddites unite. There we go. Right. Yes. right. <laughs> Cheers, David. <laughs> That's fantastic. Have you met any of your musical heroes? You know, like, who have you met? What was that like? Yes. I met a wonderful gentleman named Ronnie James Dio. who was absolutely a legend, a beautiful soul, a great guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I was being introduced to him from a, a girlfriend who knew him. And he stopped her and was, son, my son, I know who you are. You know, he was <laughs> oh. so, so friendly, so available, approachable, just a, just a really great, great human being. It was oh. wonderful. Uh, also, we had the honor and privilege and pleasure of touring with Black Sabbath. Tony Iommi was absolutely great, wonderful, oh, wow. wonderful guy. We spent one Thanksgiving with him in a, a small German village, which is great. Telling stories about his wedding with bon John Bonham at the wedding and all kinds of stuff <laughs> like that. Really, that was excellent. Yeah. And the other guys that were really wonderful were... Uh, we were on the road with Uriah Heap, Mick Box, Leek Harris Lake, uh, Trevor Boulder. I went up to Trevor Boulder and I said, you're a spider from Mars because I knew who he was. He was in Bowie's band. Right. Said, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. They were super, super nice. Very, very supportive. Great, great, great people. Yeah. Oh, that's really, awesome. Really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 
have those times where you've met these these heroes because that's a that could be a really tenuous kind of thing kind of scary you know if they're having a bad day or if they might say something that kind of can kind of crush you in a way you know but it has have been able to meet these people and, and have them them be so gracious has that like influenced how you respond to fans who you know come up to you and and talk to you things like that well I, we started meeting fans earlier on before I met people, people like that, but my, it's, it's always been in my nature to, to generally start out being nice until it's time not to be nice. Like Patrick's crazy in roadhouse, you know, I generally want to be, I'm, I'm approachable. I'm, uh, I, I, I can, uh, I, I try to go out of my way to make fans welcome and shake hands and all that and whatever. Uh, I've met some very strange people, beings along the road of life you know that were fans and not fans whatever and had strange things where you know you where you, you couldn't be nice after a while you know because yeah. you know it was it was a choice between either you or them yeah i think carl sanders carl sanders of nile referred to them as punishers i think it's what he, I think it's what he <laughs> yeah. called that, that yeah. one person it, it's, it's it comes with the uh, it comes with the business there's always anybody who's had any modicum of any kind of success you know will have this problem yeah it's it's inevitable have other musicians reached out to you and told you how much your music has influenced them and and if so, how does that make you feel? Sure, sure, yeah. It's uh, I'm always um, honored. I'm always humbled by it, and I'm always uh, very, very gratified because you never know what's what's going to go on. I I think of it always as like writing songs and then actually making the records, putting them out there is like planting seeds. You never know where they're going to grow up and develop. And I've got a lot of friendships now over the years. People who are like. They that tree grew in their in their backyard in their mind and uh, went to the show met me and and we're friends I've sung on some of their records or 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 not or whatever but you know you have a relationship now you know hey brother what's up come on over I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm making a. Uh, uh, Rigas Henry of the Fearless tonight. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Italian guy too. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, give us a call sometime. We'll be over for dinner. So. <laughs> where, where, where are you guys speaking to me from? We're uh, west of Cleveland. We're in that area. Of, yeah. Okay. Cross yeah. northern Ohio. Yeah, yeah. northern right. Ohio. So we're only That's twelve hours far. away. You know, no big deal. <laughs> well, while well, I got the swimming pool still open, come on over. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I had a rigatoni. This had a rigatoni waiting there. I'll barbecue. I'll bring a case of wine. How's that? There we go. Okay. Well, yeah, you're welcome. Come on. All right. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Uh, I heard that early on, Version Steel got fan letters you received from a couple of young upstart bands named Queensrÿche and Metallica. So can you can you please tell talk a little bit about that? That's true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Metallica, we did a record. Called uh, a song called "Children of the Storm" on a record be before our first album, uh, Mike Varney's U.S. Metal Volume Two, I think, and uh, I think that's where they heard it, and they were they were like, "Yeah, we love the track." They wrote a letter, they love the solo that uh, the player done, Jack, and uh, uh, yeah, they were very nice guys. That we we played a place on the island called the Rio Theater, and. Uh, they played like a week or so after we did and we met them and whatnot. We were like circling each other for a while because they were managed by this guy, Johnny Z, who was interested mm -hmm. in, in managing us. He had this massive 
record store called Rock and Roll Heaven in Old Bridge, New Jersey. And that was like, that was really like a metal central thing. And he big booked us the, the first shows we did with Manowar and uh, uh, he was involved with Raven and all those guys. So uh, yeah, we were like, he was interested in managing us, but then we heard that those guys at Metallica were like living in a van and eating 7-Eleven hot dogs. And we had just done our first record and, and we were making money from it. So it was like, do we want to do that? I don't know if we want to do that. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Kind of thing. Uh, I guess in the long run, they were right, you know, right. Uh, whatever, but uh, we were right for ourselves. And I, it's, it's all fine. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. You know, yeah. early in your career, uh, was there a point, was there a, like a distinct point early on where you felt like, Hey, we're, we've made it, you know, was it when you were opening for a, a band that you love or met some, you know, a, an idol was, was there a certain point that you can think of that, that really felt like. I think I, I never, I never really thought like, Oh my God, we've made it. I, I, I knew we were steadily rising and that was you know neat. But I think first time that I really, really noticed that something was going on was uh, when we went to Greece and uh, the audience was just rabid, just completely, it was like Beatlemania for us and like following the tour bus after the gig and they cars and coming after us and stuff. Nice. It was crazy, you know? <laughs> wow. And they'd be all like in the, uh, in the corridors in the lobby of the hotel and all that sort of thing. Uh, that was probably when I said, hmm, Nothing's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> That's great. I, I wanted to ask you about House of Atreus. Uh, I read that it was it, you had actually had a few performances in a theater with actors oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Can can you talk about how that came about? Because I thought it lends itself so well to being performed. I, it was so easy for me to visualize it. I was I was listening listening to it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally see this being done. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, sure. Um, that record, that whole idea started because this is again about planting seeds. We did a record called Age of Consent and uh, a young girl, a Greek girl living in Germany, fell in love with the record, came to the show, met me, we became friendly. She later met, several years later, met this director of a theater in Germany who said to her, what should I do for my next production? And she said, a rock opera, of course. And she said, I got, I got the band for you. Uh, so the guy called me up and he's, his words were to me, I'd like you to write something like an opera from, from my theater. And I immediately went, uh, Atreus, how's Atreus? And, uh, and he was like, okay. And that's how, how, that's how simple it was. So wow. then I had to go write the thing. So I went off and uh, reread the myths, you know, because I, I, uh, I, I absorbed them when I was very young and they stayed with me. That's probably why I blurted that out. <laughs> and then I went back and really got into it again. And I started writing and uh, building on that idea. And, and uh, we did it. Originally, they wanted like me to be in it. And then the band was going to play live and all that. But then it wasn't feasible. So for, for that production, I did like, backing tracks with um, the band, of course, on drums, guitar, keyboards, and all that, and my vocals, background vocals. And then the, the actors sang live with, with that stuff. And it, it did probably like, I don't know, somewhere between 50 and 80 some odd performances of wow. that. 
And that led to then a second metal opera that I did based on uh, the Marriage and Invictus works. And then I did a third opera with that company, The Lilith Project, which is the Visions of Eden, Bacchanalia stuff. So I did a lot with them. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, that that is so. Cool. That just seems terrifying to accept uh, to accept, uh, uh, you know that that kind of a job when you don't even have nothing exists yet. You have to create. You, you yeah, know what I the, was just like, I, you know, I, I you know, there's, if there's one thing I, I'm confident about, it's writing. I don't really worry about it. it getting it on screen right. is another story, but writing <laughs> it isn't really the issue. You know, uh, I I'll drive myself nuts and I'll. I overwrote. I, of course, I over. I overwrote. Write for everything. You know, it's just that's what was great about CD when that first arrived. I was like, wow, more than twenty minutes aside. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. So because your albums are consistently long, you know, yeah. almost pushing that eighty minute mark consistently. Always. Yeah. And then you have Always. like here's bonus disc with eighty more minutes of material. You know, so oh, yeah. 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 So no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm insane. I, I mean, I, I used to talk to uh, uh, my friend. Uh, Steel from Typo Negative. He said, what are you doing, man? You're, you're giving him way too much. You're right, oh. Pete. I know, but I, I, I'm, I'm compelled. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because not, you know, not everyone can do that. When other artists come out with a, with a 70 minute release, it's, it's, you know, big news, but for you, it's kind of consistent. It's like, if we don't do it, it's going to be like news. Like, Hey, why isn't there two, two 80 minute discs here? You know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. They'll think that I, I died somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, why are you writing like a Slayer, you know, rain of blood 30 minutes, you know, Hey, you know, yeah, oh, right. you know well, that's, those were the days, you know, cause like old Van Halen records, you know, yeah. so, cause you, you know, they, they do yeah. it on a 16 track thicker. Mm-hmm. It sounded fatter. And, and then to, to, uh, Hot the lacquer, you know, couldn't have that much uh, minutes. Right. Yeah, so that's yeah. why it was in Italy. Yeah. Cool, man. Keep it up, Dave. That's great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll do. I'll do. <laughs> now, <laughs> here's how I came across Version Steel and came across you as an as a performer and musician. It was from a band called Exorcist. Okay. 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 If it's okay, we talk about Exorcist because I, I don't yeah. want to, if it's okay. Cool. I love because, Exorcist. Sure. All right. Because I've heard all kinds of stories about Exorcist and Pile Driver and Original Sin, and I and I I want to get it from your point of view because I sure. found that record. I saw the cover. I'm like, oh my god, that's just so awesome. And I love that it was a concept album. I love the music because you've actually cover queen of the dead and black mass on the nocturnes of the hellfire album call for the exorcist and, and fire of ecstasy are, are you know the same song so i want to know like the story behind these bands your part in all that because for i and i just saw that the exorcist album just got re-released in april which i'm really excited about because i've had the lp since probably 1989 you know and so i'm like okay i gotta know more about this could you talk a little bit about the nexus of all these awesome albums sure thank you so much sure exorcist was uh well first we did the second pile driver album stay ugly stay ugly which is a great name i'm telling the cover is so awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) i had nothing to do with the cover (laughs) but it's it's a great album edward and i uh edward prosino talk about burden steel you know i sat in front of a washing machine and uh, wrote those songs for the Pile Driver record in like a couple days. And uh, 
recorded it in even less time. I think we recorded it in uh, two days. Yeah, just just bashed wow. through it, and 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 that was it. It was supposed to be like, um, uh, I don't know, as 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 dark and as dreary sounding and as uh, as unpolished as, as it could be. So that's what we did. We just went in there with a <laughs> two Marshall hundred watt Marshall heads. Which we melted the tubes on and uh, just recorded the record. Yeah, <laughs> we flew this guy who sang it in. Uh, he, we picked him up at Kennedy Airport, drove to the studio, he cut the vocals, and the, as soon as he was done, we drove him back to Kennedy Airport, sent him back to Canada where he came from. So, yeah, it was that quick. The next one we did was yeah, it was The Exorcist, and that I was not supposed to sing on. I had a friend of mine who was a bass player from that pile driver record. He's a great singer. He was supposed to sing on that record, but he had this like uh, religious epiphany the day we were going to go in to do the record. And he said, I can't, I can't sing it. He thought it was like too satanic or demonic or whatever. <laughs> oh, <you know>? wow. <laughs> yeah. so, I had been rehearsing the group, you know, anyway, I knew the songs having written them with Edward and, uh, uh, so I said, all right, let me do it. I said, my, my thought was, I want to sound like somewhere between a rotting corpse, Johnny Rotten, and Lemmy. How do I make that go? You know? so, yeah. so we had the mic up. I had a beer in front of the beer can. I did the whole thing like in, with inside that. So get some oh, sort of nice. beer resonance. And uh, yeah, that's how I did all the vocals. We did the music in one day. Second day we did the vocals and started mixing, and uh, yeah, three like three days that record was done. Yeah, because yeah. it's a, it's like the Salem witch trials, you know. It is. It, it, I am it, a it, huge, huge, huge um, maniac for the Salem witch trials. I don't know why, but in my fifth grade library, they had a book on the Salem witch trials. I read it, and I was like, I am John Proctor. Oh my god! <laughs> you know? oh, I. Uh, I read, if you see my library near the room, I've got extensive books on the subject. I've been there and walked mm -hmm. around. And, oh, uh, I've always been fascinated by witches in general and by mm -hmm. that sort of um, uh, time period and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. yes, but especially that. And having gone there, I went there with a friend of mine and I walked around. I left him, it was uh, me, my girl, him and his girl. We went to this place, the, the Flying Cloud Inn. Uh, in Marblehead, which is just down the road from uh, Salem. And they were all sleeping and I'm wandering around Marblehead and I came back and with a bagel or something like that for them. And, and he oh, goes wow. to me, Dave, how did it feel being out there? I said, I felt like a colossus among minnows. It was just like bizarre. I don't know. It was, yeah. I just, I, I love the place. Yeah. Just something. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's awesome. You know, my <laughs> wife, her ancestor was Cotton Mather. Of the oh my God. shows, yeah, oh my God. wow, yeah, Kismet. Look at that. I said, That's why you're famous. I've known you years. You didn't tell me that. Come on, yeah. <laughs> it's like the scene wow. from Holy Grail. You know, how do you know she is a witch? She turned her into a newt, you know, because he wrote the book. He literally wrote the book on how to decide, you know, tell yeah. who was a witch or not. And I said, yeah. That explained yeah. a lot. You know, his father was the his father was the, was the uh, was the more astute of the two. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of political shit going on yeah. you know, during that oh. era. So uh, that has something to do with it as well. But uh, when I got the chance to do The Exorcist, my mind, like like Atreus, I was of Atreus, went flashed right there. I was like, 
is this is it. Now is my chance to do this. The Stanley of Witch Trials. Let's go. So nice. yes, that, nice. that was the thing with the Exorcist record. Oh, cool. And I always thought that, you know, maybe uh, if we, we had just done Noble Savage and I thought if Edward and I had taken those songs and done another record with those things, another Burden Steel record, it would have launched the band further, you know, but mm. say we got sort of, I wouldn't say diluted, but, you know, we, we, we went a different road with the Exorcist record, which I'm yeah. glad we did and all that, but that's yeah. why I thought there's some really good bits there. Let's bring them back and do that with Virgin Steel, but let's yeah. redevelop them like we would have. And, and then you asked me about also Original Sin. Right. Original Sin was recorded the weekend after Exorcist. <laughs> you know? And that was supposed to be the female version of Exorcist. It mm-hmm. was basically the same band except my sister did the lead vocals okay yeah well, the, the music sounds it sounds identical like we must have used the same blown out tube amps the same everything because it sounds almost like the identical i think we left music. all the gear set up you know for a week and that's and why back that's it. In and, okay and, and, and yeah and did it yeah and that was the night we did that we got two days that record was the night the uh the challenger blew up uh, I remember that yeah when we did that yeah wow wow we were watching uh, that in the news in a break it was oh my god Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those records are are related. Yeah, and then that's why I went back and uh, when we did the Book of Burning, uh, I rewrote Conjuration of the Watcher for that record mm-hmm. with that right. old orchestral thing that goes on in the middle and whatnot. Because yeah. I thought, yeah, let's let's do that because that's such yeah. a great riff and all that. And we did that with that one also. Uh, the Fire God, which started from Pile Driver, and as you you mm-hmm. correctly uh, said earlier. Fire of Ecstasy started life as Call for the Exorcist. That was rewritten okay. stuff to it. But I always felt like some of those things, uh, they needed to grow up a bit more. Let's go. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that album just got re-released and a lot of Virgin Steel's albums got re-released in 2014. Yeah, so, a lot of okay. reissues. Yeah, yeah, reissues. Can you explain how that happens? Like <clears throat> the, the process, like did this, did you have input in these re-releases or, yeah. you know, how, how does that, how does that work with, you know, with already existing, you know, albums. Well, when you we signed with SPV in uh, 2010, I believe it was, and uh, did the Bacchanalia with them first. And then they wanted to reissue everything. So if I always get a second chance at something, I'm never completely satisfied with a mix or whatever, and any record we've ever done. So like, oh, wait, I can get my hands on it again. So, uh, <laughs> so I remaster and whatever. And then I, but I'm never going to just leave it there. I was like, well, these other songs relate to that. Some were from that era, like all that live stuff on Noble Savage was the actual uh, demos that we did when we first, uh, before we went in, made the record. So, uh, and then there's other things that were specifically written for each reissue. Uh, so it's just extending the range of, of, the, uh, of the feeling, the emotional weather of those songs, you know, like, like with Age of Consent. Uh, we did, uh, I did that stripped down version of, of Noble Savage, Changing Dawn, and uh, I wrote a song called uh, Another Nail on the Cross. Uh, we did that strange Neil Young version of uh, Down by the River and the strange Blood Rock cover of Breach of Lease. Just trying to just, you know, push the envelope always. Just, just another excuse to be creative, you know? Yeah, right. Well, I saw on the, on the re-released Exorcist album, there's another track, you know, um, which, which I have not, I mean, I just literally heard about this last week, so I have yet to, to get the. Oh, there's actually version. quite a bit of stuff. There's actually there's a 
uh, spin your head around backwards. That's a bonus track. Spin yeah, that's the bonus track. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> nice. Because that, But there's that's also uh, Malefic Wine. Uh, there's uh, uh, Oh, there's a big thing called Spellcraft, which is like a oh. sort of a spoken word weird thing. Oh, nice. Uh, there's quite a bit of bonus material. There's actually three okay. versions of the record on, on oh. like this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's the I, Father, so the Son, and the Unholy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Because I want to get that record. I, I want to mail it to you and have you sign it for me. Because that, would that would be, yeah. Um, well, come up for the barbecue and I'll sign it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Exchange a case of wine for that. That'd be awesome. Hey, we're coming um, to the pool party with the rigatoni. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, well, I, I, I had hoped for 30 years for more exorcists. Is that ever going to be a possibility um, that to see another extension of Virgin Steel like that? Or, I mean, if not, I understand. But I, I just thought that album was so great. You know, and now I know how the story is. It's, it's even better. So well, there is, there is, there is a cassette of songs that Edward and I started writing for a second Exorcist record, which he never did anything with. <laughs> Maybe one rainy afternoon we'll, we'll revisit that. Who knows? It could be, you know, it's uh but there are some bonus tracks in that spirit on that record. Oh, excellent. Well, I will I will be ordering that tomorrow. Oh, good. Oh, guys, I, I have been hogging up the conversation. You guys have something you want to well, I, oh. I, I think I, I'd like to get into the talk of, uh, you know, horror movies, you know, with some of, you know, David's uh, favorite horror films. Uh, does he have a certain genre of horror that he enjoys the most? And uh, yeah, just a little bit sure. about that because we're I, huge horror yeah, fans. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of things like Horror Hotel, Christopher Lee. That was like, oh, oh that's the grail for me. That one. The and that one is tremendous. Honorable of Souls. I watched that actually two nights ago. Love that one. Actually yeah. had a weird, weird cover group for a while. They're called Carnival of Souls. And we were supposed to play the movie in back one of the gigs that we did, but somehow we got it mixed up and they were playing uh, our hotel during the gig. <laughs> it was cool also. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I love that. The Blood on Satan's Claw, Mark of the Devil. Um, lot of we'll Satan's, going with this. Blood uh, on Satan's Claw has a really <sighs> cacophonous soundtrack. It's a it's 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 hard to listen to when you listen to it on your own. I have it I have it uh, you know on my computer and I try and listen to it. It's really disturbing and and it works with the film yeah. because it's because it it has that set your teeth on edge quality. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's just as disturbing as the movie. You know, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, and I think. Uh, what um, I always re will remember about that movie is Angel Blake. Mm -hmm. Never was there a more amazing witch, Angel Blake. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. one of these days I'll write the song about Angel Blake. Yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> oh, that would be a good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you grow up like watching, you know, like the Universal horror, the you know Frankenstein and Dracula, or the the Hammer stuff, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. I mean, what what are your early memories of horror? Like you know, as a kid, what were the kind of things you would watch? I would watch religiously Chiller Theater, so whatever they were showing, and also Creature Feature, Crawling Eye, House on Haunted Hill, Horror Hotel, uh, 
whatever they had, you know, going on back back then. Yeah, everything, everything I'd watch. Thing, oh, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Like the movie to this day that still kind of gives you the creeps, or is there one? You know, I'm not really terrified by those things, but I know someone who is, and he still is today, Michael Chomplet, Edward. He still is uh, freaked out by the Exorcist movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he still is. Yeah. <laughs> that's our scariest film. So, yeah, we, we had a show on that a few episodes back. But, yeah, yeah. that's our... I, I don't know. I just, I just, I love I love it. I remember being like, oh, no. And well, I, I, my, I was so young, my mother took me to see Mark of the Devil <laughs> and in the theater with the barf bag. They give you the barf bag. Pulling his tongue out and wagging around. Like, oh, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, how how old like, were you? Uh, I was very young then. Oh, yeah. man. What a, what a thing to do to your kid. <laughs> well, <laughs> You're I probably begging her. I got to go see this movie, Ma. <laughs> oh, what happened? Oh, she was great. She also, my father was great. She also took me to see Alice Cooper because I was too young. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Well, garden. <laughs> well, welcome to my nightmare. <laughs> no, it was yeah. Billion Dollar Babies. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, nice. Just going back. Yeah, that yeah. may be my favorite Cooper album. I just, I just, great album. Great yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's great. It's like with the barf bag and stuff, it reminds me of the William Castle, you know, the, all the antics he had in his theaters with, you know, with the skeletons flying through the theater or when you, when you watch the tingler, the seats would, you know, vibrate and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's great. <laughs> oh, all those, those movies I mentioned, they also, you know, they all factor in with like the first black Sabbath album and a band that I loved also, called Blood Rock. We did a uh, cover of their DOA. It's on the extended version of the Nocturnes of Hellfire and Damnation. Okay. It's yeah. a medley. It starts out with the Halloween theme, John Carpenter. Yes. Goes into a DOA, goes into a thing by a classical guy called Rebekov, called The Witch in the Forest. Goes into Black Sabbath, the song, and it winds up with the immigrant song. It's 18 minutes of insanity with the most oh, wow. probably over the top ridiculous vocals I've ever uh, recorded on record. Just like insane. Yeah. Cool, man. I was compelled to be insane. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nice. but yeah. I, but when they, when they, when they issued that record, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know it was not going to be a double album. I, that was a, the digi version was only, the double album. So I was a little, what's going on? So when, when we reissue that, because we will at some moment, uh, it's got to, everyone's got to get the double version. Yeah. Nice. There's some great shit on the second disc. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. That's great. cool. Ah, all right. What, what is the thing that you love most about being in a famous band? I, I think the, 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 the thing that I love most about my particular job or whatever is that I, I get to, um, write and record this music that uh, if I didn't, I'd probably be very dangerous. I mean, this is what <laughs> keeps me grounded, you know, and keeps me from, I don't know, invading uh, North Babylon or something, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. So I, I, I'm fortunate that people like what it is that we do and uh, I, don't, I don't take it for granted. And uh, I'm delighted to go into the studio every day and uh, and work my ass off to try to make you know the best records that we we can we can make you know always and just try to uh, 
max myself out every song vocally. So it's like, if it's my last will and testament, it's, uh, it's all there on the record, you know? Nice. If you were to create a super group for musicians, past or present, who would you want to play with? Uh, and they can't be anyone that you've already played with before. So you're singing and you I'm got. Singing. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I would love Brian May and Jimmy Page on guitar. I'd like uh, either John Bonham or Roger Taylor on drums, you know, uh, on bass. I would go with uh, John Paul Jones or John Entwistle, perhaps, you know, I think. Yeah. And uh, maybe I can have um, a third person. Perhaps I'd go with um, Punky Meadows from Angel, you know. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Very nice selection. Here's another hypothetical situation for you, David. An alien shows up and asks you to represent metal in three songs. Ah. What would those three songs be and why? Is that my own or? <laughs> oh, and any songs. Now, you also can <laughs> consider your motivation. Are you wanting to welcome them to Earth or are you trying to trick them to stay away? Are you trying to scare them away? So I would probably be welcoming. I would probably welcome them until they put the laser on me, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> See how your sword does against the aliens, right? <laughs> So they try I'd to probably you. give yeah. him uh, Kingdom of the Fearless, uh, the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin, and uh, probably, I think, Black Sabbath from Black Sabbath, you know? Yeah. Uh, something about the immigrant song, it's got what I refer to as the bones of the mountain sound. It's got like that primal, paganistic in this uh, guy's Nordic bones of the mountain sound. Uh, he's got that war cry going on thing. Uh, the Sabbath's got that Salem, that dark, misty uh, days of, uh, of your sound, horror, all that. And Kingdom of the Fearless is like that idea gone further uh, infused with the classical elements. So you got a little bit of uh, where it arrives from and where it's going, so to speak. That, maybe that's, that's, that's what I would say off the cuff. Yeah. Nice. Great. Excellent. Chop, Dredd. What is the most interesting venue you've ever played at? Ooh. Uh, we did play. There's a movie called, oh God, it's not, horror movie uh we played in in germany it was a venue called the metropole and it was they filmed i forget what movie it was there was a horror movie that was shit what is it it escapes me now but if you I tell remember us what it's watching, about we might be able to help you <laughs> oh shit it was about it's, well it takes place in the theater something to do with uh with zombies and 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 witches combined uh demons it's it, Lucio Fulci one demons. It's, it's been ages. I don't know, okay, I forget. But I remember we did the gig, and then like like later that that year, I saw the movie and it was like, wow, we were there. That's that's that was amazing. That was pretty interesting. And I think one of the best theaters I really liked was the uh, the Rodon Club in Athens, Greece. It was a theater like the Beacon, that sort of place, like that. Really, really neat sort of theater. You know, I like those kind of venues for. I'm not that 
in love with outdoor things. I know you can reach a lot of people. That's great and all that. But I like more the dark in, indoor, smaller, mm-hmm. you know, three to 5,000 people, that sort of thing. You know, I think it's more, you know, reachable. Yeah. That intimacy. Yeah. That, that kinship between uh, fan and band. And metal shows never look right in during the daylight hours you got to play metal at night there's just or in a yeah, dark venue, yeah yeah you know. yeah yeah when you got to go on at like 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever like that. it's, <laughs> yeah you know, we did this metal. one gig in slovenia yeah. we were on i don't know i don't know what hour it was but the sun was up and it was up for like forever and i got you know completely sunburned during the gig and like my bass player was wearing sneakers. They like melted to the stage. Oh, holy shit. I've never oh. been that hot in my life. It's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> How do you perform in that kind of heat? That's, that's, oh, that's you crazy. just do it. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, like when you're ill, you just, you just dive in and, and that's it. I remember on the, on the Atrius tour, we were in France for four nights uh, and uh, I was ill with some sort of a uh, stomach, uh, the trots issue, you know, it went away as soon as I walked on stage, came back as soon as I finished the gig. Oh, know, wow. Four days, you know. You just learn how to deal with it, yeah. When you were at that that place where your sneakers, sneakers were melting off, was this part of like a, a bigger festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it, how do you get picked as a band? Like, how do those things happen? I mean, if you're, if you're going on tour with yourself, I can see where, you know, you're the one lining up gigs and creating your itinerary, but how does the whole festival circuit work? I've always wondered that. How do you get these 15 bands to play over a couple of days and, and travel? Because there's usually like an ongoing, there's festivals all around Europe, uh, not so much America anymore, but at least all around Europe. So how, how does that work? Well, every band's got their, their agency that they, you know, have booked them. And so we've had hours in Germany and they would book us on, you know, uh, for a week or two weeks or a month or whatever it is. And, and you'd line up whatever was available, whichever the local promoters of those things wanted to uh, have you on the bill or not, kind of a thing. So, oh, okay. uh, like we, uh, for example, we did um, Gods of Metal with with uh, with Man of War, and then the day before, uh, two days before, because we had to get there, we were in uh, Sweden doing uh, Mi Rock and uh, Sweden Rock, Sweden Rock, not Mi Rock, it's Finland, Sweden Rock, and then before that, we were in uh, London doing some dates and whatever. So you know, you just kind of like. They just we figure out how you're going to get there. I mean, we, when we did Sweden Rock, our drummer at the time, after the gig, uh, go up to take the bow. He tripped over some big cable and, and fucked up his, his foot, his leg. So then we traveled 18 hours by bus, by Nightliner. Dora was, was on the bus with us because she was on the gig too. So we went wow. to arrived in Italy and uh, we went straight to this uh, hospital in Milan and had him sorted out. And the guy came back to the venue before he went on with this big needle, shot him in the ass with this thing. And uh, so we could do the gig. And he was like, Dave, I feel strange. I don't know if it's a good strange or a bad strange, but it is strange. But he played the gig and he was great. So uh, well, you know, oh, it works. Well, well. <laughs> That's crazy. It's, it's just know, a little prick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, as fans, we I, I love hearing those kinds of stories because you don't ever really as a fan know those kinds of things you you get to hear stories about the excess but as we talk with ralph sheepers of primal fear he was telling us about some of the the down aspects of road life and not that he was complaining but just things that fans don't normally get to see a piece of 
all the travel and, you know, the jet lag and your body adjusting and the shitty promoters and things like that. So, you know, is there anything else you could tell us just like life on the road? You know, how is it like for the average person who's never done this? What's like an average day like for you? You got a gig coming up that evening or the next day you're traveling on a bus. I mean, how does that day kind of pan out for you? It all it all depends on what the itinerary is. You know, you can fly in. Usually we like to fly in, at least have that day off. You don't always, sometimes there's a gig that day. But generally if there's a day off, so then you sort of semi-acclimate and you do the gig and then it's then the madness begins. You jump in the bus if it's like a, you know, 12-day run or whatever it is. And uh, that bus is your is your home base and until you get to the, the gig, you know, then, then you get backstage and that's where the showers are and whatnot and you go through that whole, whole bit and then you get back in the nightliner and you drive overnight to the next, uh, the next gig. That's generally how it works. Or if you're in South America, because the distances can be so huge, it's an airplane, you're always flying, you know, so and that happens a bit in Europe too because you'll like, be in Italy sometimes and okay, then, you know, fly to Greece or uh, we've done uh, the uh, put the night liner on the ferry. I mean, huge ferry with track trails and you go over there that way. We did when we we did uh, the marriage um, two tour, uh, we did that. And I remember there was a dock strike on the Greek end. We, we did like this was like this is the end of the, of the run. So we had been like everywhere. We did it in Italy and then we were going to Greece and uh, there was a dock strike on the Greek end. So we had to go uh, 18 hours on this ferry rather than like eight hours or whatever it was going to be because we wound up like way north. And then the nightliner comes off and we have to go up and down the mountains and we're still driving to like hours to get to this, where we had to go. And uh, we arrived like three hours or four hours late to that gig. And we thought, oh, shit, you know, what are we going to do? You know, maybe it's going to, you know, be, be a bust. But no. All the fans that were there took all the gear, got it on stage, set everything. There was a drum set that was already there. And it was just like, you go into the dressing room. Usually there's catering laid on for you. There's wine, there's this, there's that. There was nothing. It was, there wasn't even a light. So it was just like, okay, quick shot of scotch. Off we go. Boom. One of the best gigs on that run. It was fantastic. Wow. Audience was outrageous. And that was our induction, introduction to, uh, to the Greek audience for the first wow, time. That wow, that is great. Magic. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. That's crazy. That's, what an wow. amazing story. Like, yeah, yeah, everyone's now a roadie. You get your fans who, are, <laughs> who showed up. Oh, yeah, we'll help you unload. Oh, that's awesome. It was amazing. Damn. It was amazing. Damn. It was just really, that, really that, cool. That is, so, yeah, you get stuff like that. You get stuff where, uh, you know, you've got guy, uh, there's a maniac guy that's pointing a gun and shooting at the, at the bus. I mean, I've gone through oh, that routine wow. as well, you know sitting there chatting and then like, you know, the window gets blown out and you're like, what was that? Oh, I think we just got shot at, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. You never know what you're going to, you know, what's going to go on, especially I guess today, you know, but. Uh, sure. What's one of your, uh, David, what's one of your favorite or funniest road stories, I guess you could share with us. Uh, I guess it involves Greece again, perhaps. <laughs> we are done <laughs> Again, we, we always end in Greece. So again, this is the, like the end of the run, pretty much. And um, for some reason, the sound man that we brought on this tour, he got onto everybody's skin. I didn't mind him. I could, I was all right with him. But 
he finally pushed my last nerve, you know, after everyone else. And uh, this is like, we did the gig, never went to bed. I'm awake. It's, uh, I don't know, it's like five, six in the morning. I wanted to get up and go to the rooftop, open air breakfast. I wanted Edward to come with me. Uh, I'm drunk, mind you. He's sleeping. He wouldn't, we were sharing a room and uh, he wouldn't get up. So I took the sword and I, I destroyed his bed. He still didn't, <laughs> still didn't get up. <laughs> that kid can sleep through anything. It's amazing. So I, I left the sword stuck in the bed. Stuck. I go up, I go up to the, the rooftop. In the process of destroying his bed and whatnot, I sliced myself up. You know, oh, I'm no. drunk at the time. So there's this 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 long-haired, uh, shirtless, leather pants, ripped leather pants guy, no shoes, making his way up to the buffet up there. So I'm up there, and the sound man is there, and he just he set me off. Whatever. So I I uh, I tried to cut off his head with a very stylish butter knife that was on the table. Luckily, luckily, the bass player was awake and he stopped me. But I got to say, now that, we, now that sound man is buried somewhere in Jersey, in a bunch of different parts, right? Yeah. We left him. We left, we left him at the Acropolis, though. <laughs> the bass player, he somehow kept, kept it together, kept me together. And I got to say this for the Greek people. They didn't bat an eye. They didn't give a shit what, you know, what was going on with me. What was wow. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah. We made up somewhere on the flight home. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're I over think, the Atlantic. Great I think we story. need to go to Greece. If we want to party, we need to go to fucking Greece. That Greece sounds, sounds like, great. That sounds like the place to go. They are yeah. definitely like, uh, it's like South America is a bit like that as well. They're very, very passionate about yeah. that. Yeah. Fervent. Yeah. 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 And oh, not that other, other, other places aren't. It's just, different you know there's like yeah. uh everyone's got their style the germans have their style uh the norwegians have their thing you know uh but the greeks have something else i, I don't know I, I maybe it's i guess it's something to do with the music and uh, i thought for a while there i thought i was greek i thought we were greek growing up and <laughs> but the music i guess appeals to them i thought my father was zeus and i was dionysus <laughs> you know, for years you know, so <laughs> i guess they it resonated with them yeah. Nice. Well, well, first we're going to Dave's, and then we'll go to Greece. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Nice. You're all invited. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. What do you do for fun? I mean, I, these have been great stories, and I'm just just laughing. But like, what to unwind when you're not doing writing, when you're not doing music, anything like that? What do you do to unwind? And in other parts of your life that are that are just just for you, what is it that that helps you kind of decompress or? Just kind of, uh, you know, wine helps. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I, uh, I'm a very, I'm a voracious reader. I read quite a bit. I'm always reading, so that sort of grounds me as well. And I've got animals. I have six cats. They, they, wow. uh, they require a lot of uh, looking after. Now, <laughs> some of them are on. Uh, it's I'm like a pharmacist in the morning now because some of them are getting on in years. And I've got to mix this potion and that potion. And so, yeah. And I got to be very patient with them, which I am. And, uh, and they reward me. So, you know, when you, when you sit down to watch 
horror hotel or whatever, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll all come on you and they'll be on my head and whatever and sit sure. with me. Well, you, you don't really ever picture, you know, a a, a a rock star having to get up and medicate all of his cats in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, it's time for your pills. That's yeah. not very Tell rock and roll. This is this is this is the most rock and roll thing of all. Okay. The thing that keeps very me novel. grounded is every morning I'm scooping out the litter. <laughs> there you go yeah start yeah, your day i've got five litter boxes <laughs> you do the most amazing gig right? it just came back from greece whatever and there it is <laughs> well, everybody needs something to keep them grounded i guess yeah oh yeah. that's great oh that is that is so good if he didn't do i've never that, been a might... stranger to work you know I, you know i've always uh I used to work in a, a metal factory i cut up steel i swept up steel and metal shavings and shit like that uh, I never, I never minded, you know, it was always, uh, just something to, um, you know, pay for the pizza and the, uh, and the wine, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. just got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. Once this album comes out, the, uh, four to be named album, do you plan on hitting the road? Are you going to be, you're going to be doing a tour? I would love to. I sure hope it's going to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to gather all the all the tribe again and sure. uh, forge forward and make make that go. Hopefully, there's not going to be another wave of uh, of disaster. You know, uh, yeah. I'd like to go out there and do it. Yeah, because the record yeah. is uh, is a very live sounding record. I left all that in. Uh, it's probably one of the most live. I think all the records sound pretty live, but because we leave all that. You know all the uh, all the Mr. Goss in you know they're going to airbrush it all, but this is especially warm sounding and whatnot. Uh, it's definitely a barbaric romantic metal record. It's not anything to do with, <laughs> with uh, some of the some of the bluesier moments that we did like on the last record. It's nothing to do with that on this 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 record. It's it's really just a barbaric romantic uh, kind of slice your head sort of. Nice. Um, and so is the next one because I've already got that written. <laughs> And it's about 60% recorded. Jeez, so. that's awesome. So, wow. Man. Wow. Uh, so we're in it. We're in we're in the moment. So it's all there. That's fantastic. When when you are ready to release these albums and are you you know you're ready to start telling the world about it, would you would you be willing to come back on and tell us what, what's going on and release Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I'd love be to have delighted. you. Delighted. Yeah, be delighted. Right. Oh, that, that. That'd be great. Oh, and, oh, yeah. And when you come yeah. on tour, I hope you can get to come to Cleveland because we would love to stop by and say hi in in the flesh, you know, shake hands and just yeah, you know, I, see I would person. I would love that. I would love that. We have not unfortunately done as much um, gigs in the states as we've done in Europe yeah. for whatever mm -hmm. reason. I don't know. From day one, that was like uh, where it sort of you know went for us. Europe, yeah. England, Germany, right. you know. So uh, it seems we, like we your style of music is a uh, is really um, appeals to the European crowds. You know, there's a lot of European bands that have that sort of gothic, operatic, yeah. you know, style. Nightwish, of course, and Epica and those kind of bands. So that seems to they seem to really be still holding on to that that style of music in Europe much more than the U.S. does these days. They're hungry for it. I, I don't know label. why I guess yeah I guess that's it just whatever it it struck uh, so, uh it struck their fancy so to speak yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you know we love bands like Van Halen and whatnot American stuff and I mean a lot of the Zeppelin stuff is blues based and I'm a bluesy guy and that's American you know art form but for whatever reason it, it went it went there yeah well I I guess you you didn't write a song called wet ass pussy I guess that's probably 
probably why, you know, WAP, you know, that's probably why it wasn't popular in the States, unfortunately. That's Maybe where, that's that, a little too high uh, concept, even for Dave. Behind that title, right? Right. That seems to be where the American music is. And it's, it's embarrassing. You know, I just, I don't follow pop music, but it was all the controversy for a while. I'm like, I don't look at that as music, you know. I, I don't my, follow any, any of that. I don't. I don't yeah. know what's going on. I couldn't. Yeah. I, you know, I have no. There's idea nothing going on. There's nothing worth following. So, so <laughs> okay. yeah, you're, you're not, you missing out, not missing out on anything there. So, <laughs> yeah, you're not alone, um, David. Guys, do you do you have anything more you'd like to ask David? I don't want to keep him all night. And I I've like checked off pretty much everything I've. Yeah, my questions. I, I've asked everything. I've, I <laughs> this is so fine. Um, fantastic. Thank you again you know, for this opportunity to get to meet you, David, and um, to talk about your music and just kind of get to know you. And we My wish pleasure. you just a, every bit of success. And we are so, I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited. I can't wait for the next two version seal albums, which will be coming out. And uh, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. The new one's going to be uh, 80 minutes again, 70 some odd <laughs> minutes. It's, it's, it's long. And the next one after that could be a double album. Cause I, Oh, it's, wow. It's, it's wow. actually that long or act one act act two yeah. sort of deal we'll see oh that's, see that's fantastic how that's unbelievable it goes. oh man it's shaping oh. up that way yeah wow it's shaping oh, up nice. that way yeah. oh we're in the thick of it very nice uh we if you don't mind um would would it be too much to ask if you could do like a bumper for us like this is david defay of virgin steel and you're listening to heavy metal horror or would that be too much to ask no not at all oh okay well just whenever you're ready all right. Greetings. This is David DePay from Virgin Steel, and you are listening to Heavy Metal Horror. Stay tuned for more metal and horror. Yow! Thank you. Oh, fantastic. That's, That's great. great. That's great. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, man. Wow. Thank you. What as love it say, as, as we Italians say, mi piace. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> well, you have certainly <laughs> made our Italian evening. There you go. Yeah. And uh, you are welcome Cheers, back brother. anytime. Seriously, you have my email. Anytime yeah, you yeah. want to come on, even if you want to just, hey, here's what's going on for five minutes, whatever. Sure, you are sure. I always I'd, I'd love it. Sure. I'd, lo- I'd love to. Absolutely. And yeah, if you, you are, can. uh, planning a trip down to the island of long the sacred island of long yeah you, seriously you want them to come over well yeah. all right we we may have to do that we may have to just may take a weekend a trip. Yeah. and just make a road trip yeah, why not? Say, yeah. you know i'll give you an advance warning that way i don't know if you've ever been to long island but it's it's uh it's uh it's got a, it's got its charms you know i have some friends who who live in long island and so um, I'll, I'll contact them. So maybe that could be our home base. While yeah, it's a magical do. place. It, re- it really is. I, uh, I'm definitely a, a patriot for the island. If the island goes to war, I'll, I'll, I'll get out my sword. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well, when we come, we'll bring we'll bring offerings. We'll we'll bring wine. Maybe we'll find a nice sword that you don't have in your collection. And we'll we'll bring something good for you. That's for sure. We don't want to show up empty-handed. So fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right. So thank you so much, David. All um, right. We're, As we're we say good night and one note. All right. Good thank night. you so much. Good night. Good night. Thank you. All. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Right. Bye bye. See you. Ciao. Oh, what a great, great interview! That was awesome. What, was fantastic! What a, yes. a charming guest! What a uh, just yeah, yeah. That's another great. one, man. Another one. Yeah. Is he, le- is he leaving his thing on? I don't know. Let's go ahead and like do our round and 
officially get out of here. Okay, yeah, go ahead. And then uh, we'll we'll group up in another twenty minutes or so. I'm gonna, and then we'll we'll get ready. Yeah, get okay. ready. So, all right. all right. This has been Montag, Master of Illusion, and Chop Top, and Dread Bull. and you've been listening to Heavy, Heavy Metal, Metal Horror. And David DeFay. <laughs> what a great soundbite, man. Oh, oh my God. God. That's fantastic. Fucking great. Oh, yeah. fucking great. He went above and beyond on that one. That was, that was so good. Yeah.